Welcome to another episode of PointCast, where we talk to voters about issues that most concern them, and we encourage legislators to both listen and act. We are brought to you in part by LYAG Productions, a studio for both podcasters and musicians, and of course, PointCast News. To catch up on earlier episodes of PointCast, check out our website at pointcast.news, or look us up on Apple Podcasts. Also, be sure to like and follow us on Facebook to be aware of when more episodes are released. Hello, Anthony. How are you doing? Hello, hello. hello. Uh, I'm doing good, man. Good. This is a this is a bit of a different scenario here. Normally, we do these interviews in person, but with everything going on, I it it makes sense <laughs> that we're both at home. And uh, you you put a you know, a recent article out and on the website, and I, I really wanted to kind of dig into it because it was it was something that I, I saw I saw it whenever it got posted on Facebook, but I I didn't actually get to pick your brain about it ahead of time, and so this is a really interesting. Um, bit of bit of opinion that you have here about our america or uh more than one as it is titled yeah so uh let's go ahead and dig into that because i want to i want to go ahead and talk to you about kind of what that means to you and and a couple of thoughts that i had uh while reading it so uh, for for those of you who haven't read it yet it's called two americas uh, written by yours truly anthony arnold um and the main idea of the article as it, as it were, is that uh, effectively right now we have two Americas, one where you have the privilege of being protected and one where you don't. Yeah. Did, did, I, did I get that effectively right? Yeah. That's a great summary of it. Okay. So um, you, you, I don't want to, you know, retread too much uh, territory also, you know, by the article, you should go read it if you haven't. It's definitely a wonderful, um, wonderfully written piece of your time, but I, I want to go ahead and break down the idea of, of the protected and unprotected America. Um, if you don't mind, just give me kind of a brief summary of what each of those things are. Yeah, so uh, the America that is unprotected is the one to which the great majority of us belong to. And this idea of two Americas is not a new concept, but it's one that I hear most often applied to uh, racial terms and so uh, you know when i was looking at at everything that's happening i saw it as an opportunity to expand that framework and try to broaden the lens that we use that term in because what we're seeing right now is a lot of people who thought that they were part of the striving class that they were part of the class that was making their way up in the economy that was climbing the ladder of success that was putting themselves in positions of safety and security is, is finding out that actually you're closer to the bottom of the ladder than you thought you were. And uh, our concerns share more in common than maybe previously people had thought. Um, you know, this is a concept that goes all the way back to, you can go back to Dr. King. You know, a lot of people look at the comfortable rhetoric of Dr. King, the I have a dream speech that makes everyone feel uplifted they don't realize that towards the end of his life, he has started to see there's a broader class to which a lot of us belong to. Um, And he was trying to encourage that sort of thinking. And so I wanted to bring that forward this time right now, as we see, like, not only are we all united together in, in more ways that people don't understand, our fates are tied together, but that if the lowest among us is suffering and not doing well, that it's a trickle up that you will not do well either. 
because you're learning right now that like if the grocery store workers all left, you know what you would do right now? Uh, starve. That's what you would do right now. You True. wouldn't be able to feed yourself. So maybe you should look out for them because their well-being is your well-being. And then there's a second class of people who do continue to float above all of this, who see the economic impacts of this as the only thing that they should be concerned about. These are the people in a lot of cases pushing to open things back up early because their only concern is the stock market, right? The only impact they will feel is do my, do my stocks go down? And they, they go, that's it to them. They can live in their McMansions like forever. And honestly, life won't change much for them at all. Just they go, I don't need to go to the pool. I have a pool at my house. I can just head to my my gym and my pool and I'm fine. Like everything will be basically the same for them. Um, and it is, it is, it should really be a chance for people to see like, there, there is only two classes at the end of the day. There are, there are subdivisions, right? Those of us who are not protected, we then divide into uh, different racial groups or religious groups where we divide ourselves by gender. Those are subdivisions of a larger class of people. Um, and that's why I wanted to try to drive home with the peace. And I wanted to drive home the frustration that those of us who belong to the unprotected class feel because as a person who does like my work is slowed down, but I do have to go out and work still when there's a chance I have to go out and drive around. Like I'm going to Evansville like Tuesday to do some very minor thing that honestly could wait, but that's my job right now. I had to drive to Terre Haute to drop off a toaster. Yeah, Why am I doing that in the middle of a pandemic? I don't know. That's a great question. I asked myself, uh, but the job. Yeah. I had to drop off a toaster, something that we provide to our guests. I had to drop off a toaster in Terre Haute, uh, which requires me to go into gas stations, uh, requires me to pump gas and touch door and touch door handles and gas station pumps. And yeah. Why am I doing that? That's a good question. Should I be more protected? I should be. <laughs> I, I, yes. Yeah, yes, you should. We all yeah. should be. Yeah. Um, one of the things I wanted to kind of touch on, and this may have actually been a difference in how I read it versus how you were uh, bringing it out. But one of the things you actually mentioned kind of at the beginning as you were, um, you know, getting into your description of uh, the unprotected America that you believe most of us exist in, and th that's very clear. Um, but it, it also seemed as if some of the people that had the luxury of working from home were at least somewhat in the protected class because they, they had a bit more security than some of these other people who still had to go and risk their lives and, you know, do some of the work that is considered essential right now. Um, I actually saw that as kind of not, not necessarily odd. I just kind of have a, a, maybe a different opinion on that given someone who, who does actually do work yeah. from home. Um, there's, <laughs> there's a, a lot of anxiety, especially around uh, my office about whether or not we will, keep most of us given uh, a lot of the things we're supposed to have slowed down um, we actually saw that they kind of ramped up a bit which is great but some people still ended up getting let go which means it was a different problem entirely so you know it, it's it's definitely it, I feel unprotected even though by the definition it felt like the article was giving I would technically be 
in the protected class. I get to stay home. I don't have to go anywhere to still make a paycheck, but yep. that does not necessarily mean that my job is not at risk along with a, a couple other things. And so um, I, I have a couple of, of kind of guiding questions in regards to the protected America yeah. that I just kind of wanted to pick your brain about because um, as I was reading it, like that, that didn't necessarily seem as clear to me as you just now explained. Yeah. And so I, I wanted to, to see if maybe there's some, some additional inferences we can gain from that. Yep. So um, obviously a lot of the people that are working right now are the people that America considers essential. Um, I, I hate that term. I, I hate what that means and what we've been doing with it, but <laughs> right. that, that's a conversation for another day. Um, my question to you effectively is, uh, do you feel like more of those, like the, the workforce that's operating right now, um, do you feel like there's more that we could do to kind of add them to that protected America? Now there, there's no way that we can make them a different socioeconomic class, not going that far in any stretch of the imagination. But like, do you feel like maybe the things that you do as someone who still has to go out, do you feel like more yeah. of those things can be done from home? There, there's more ways we can protect those people. Uh. I mean, some of the stuff I do certainly should just like not be done. Like we should just send people gift cards and tell them, Hey, order your thing off Amazon or maybe brave like Walmart for your toaster. I don't know. Find a way to get it on your own and we'll send you the gift card and reimburse you. Like we're not going to ask our guy to drive five hours round trip or whatever to bring you a knickknack, you know? So that's part of it. Um, some of it is I don't, I don't know if there's a lot we can do. There's not stuff we can do to protect them right now because like people have to get groceries. People have to get toiletries. That's right. If, I mean, it's really bizarre that we are depending on, you know, I used to work at target for that was like, I had that job for years. It's bizarre that we are depending on like 19, 18, 19, 20 year old kids to, to like be the pillars of our economy when they're like, I just had this job because I needed to, to make some spare money during college so I could buy like pizza and beer. And now I'm being told I hold up the American economy. It's like, wow, uh, that is a hell of a come up there, man. For real. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Um, but they are essential. And so we can't stop them from being, from the fact that they have to work. Now, there are things that they should consider. And if some of them are hearing this, when I hope they are, I'll say very directly, you guys should consider unionizing on the other side of this real hard. You should real hard think about walking out and be like, hey, everyone's everyone's good now? Cool. We're walking out of Target and we're going to unionize. And that's that. They should all do it across the country. Just being totally honest, like normally I'm not the one for like revolutionary style politics, but seriously, you guys should unionize and force people and you should demand more so that if something like this comes down the pipeline again, um, you have things like paid leave. You should demand pay raises since you are quote unquote essential. They should pay you like you're essential then. Uh, some healthcare, maybe. I don't know. These are things you should think <laughs> about unionizing for. That might be nice. Um, those are things we should do. The political echoes of this are, or the reverberations are potentially enormous if certain groups of people choose to use this as a chance to grab power. Um, and that seems callous, but they should. They should use this as a chance to grab power for themselves because 
other people will if you don't. True. And uh, th- I know this goes a little back into um, the recap episode that we had a little bit ago, but I, I think that more more people, especially people in, in situations like these, uh, should use this not not just as a fuel to better themselves, but to better the situation for everyone around them. Like you said, these people are essential according to the government. So why are they getting paid minimum wage? Why is that even a question in today's America right now? Why is minimum wage a thing? Why, why can't we just pay people enough to do the jobs that we know that they they need to do because yeah. this, this nation needs them done. Obviously we see that right now when all the other people who would be around them can't be around them right now. Yep. Yep. So I, it is, it's incredible. I, I, before we ever started doing this work together here at Pointcast, I had been telling people around me, like someone has to flip your burgers. Someone has to run a register. Like there are certain jobs that people actually have to do them. And those people should be treated fairly. And it was, and it seemed like such a crazy thing to say two or three years ago. But now you go, yeah, now you're finding out actually the guy running your register is way more important to you than you would probably ever consider. The 18-year-old yeah. the who, you know, again, working as a senior job in high school, you go like, oh, wow, they really matter a lot now. Um, but also to touch on something you had mentioned before, I think the reality that a lot of people are finding out their jobs are more at risk than they thought has been sobering yes. to a lot of people. Um, and so with the perspective you considered it from, you know, I hadn't written it in that vein, but it's obviously true that I think lots of people are finding out like, oh my, even if I can't work from home, my job's still not secure. We have business. Why is it my job? Secure, and they're they're at the mercy of the system, far more than they thought they were. Um, I had noticed this. I had noted this with Francine in a couple of conversations that a lot of news organizations are laying people off. That's despite the fact that viewership is up, readership is up. People want more news than ever. They're consuming articles online, but they're getting laid off because they don't have ad money. And so, they're sort of finding out. Well, if my job is vulnerable, even when people are reading. Was it ever secure in the first place? Like, yep. That's there, was the a, there was a conversation I had with my wife. Like, I know this is kind of a tangent, so I'll, I'll get back on track in just a little bit. But uh, it was a conversation I had with my wife, I think it was like uh, about a week ago. And we, it, it came about because of something that we, we both read on Facebook. Like, like, she saw it and she shared it with me. And it was basically about how there's not a middle class if – you're one or two paychecks away from homelessness. Like that's not a thing that can exist. Like the, the idea of the middle class is that you are free from that kind of danger because that's something that we've generally associated with people who are living like paycheck to paycheck or people who would generally be considered like lower class. And I know that a lot of people in my life have considered themselves like lower middle class as a thing. Um, But like, it's, it's crazy to me to think that given all these things, like all, all these people who are working right now aren't working because they want to. They're working because they don't have a job if they don't work. Yep. And then they can't pay their own bills and the cycle then continues. Like yep. I, I have a couple friends who work at Kroger, which I think Kroger is like one of the most 
like notable places that has been you know continuing the grocery front right now and that's just because they're everywhere but um like i i have friends who work at kroger who hate their lives right now because everybody's crazy yeah <laughs> like, yeah it's true it's it's nuts no, it's true. to think about like if he could help it he would not work because yes. why would he want to work right, right now but he has to he doesn't have yes. a choice and I, I think yes. that the, the biggest problem with this kind of with a with a the the kind of America that we've created up until now that's now being laid bare is that these people really don't have a choice. And Correct. if we did, we would not be working. Correct. Uh, <laughs> I am in. Look, I'm in this boat. The boat you just mentioned. If you look at the combined incomes of myself and my wife, we are technically lower middle to middle class. Technically. Could we go a month without paychecks? We cannot. Just flatly, we cannot. We couldn't do it. Now, I explained this to my dad, and I said, there's a lot of things that contributed to this. But I pointed out to him, I live in the Nora area. And for people who know Indianapolis, they know Nora. And if you're listening somewhere outside of Indianapolis, um, Nora is a, a middle to lower middle, maybe high lower area, depending on where exactly you go in the Nora area. Um, it's not a bad area. It's not a great area. It's just, it's there. There are apartments uh, currently leasing down the street from me that are charging uh, about $1,200 for a one bedroom, which for this area is remarkably high. They're getting into, that's, they start, they go as high as fourteen, fifteen hundred for one bedroom. Two bedrooms are like sixteen hundred dollars. And I go, that's silly. Yeah, that's silly. This area, it's not Carmel. It's not Fishers. You do not expect that. I said, well, they're they're pricing everybody out of affordable housing. When you pay such a huge chunk of your money for housing and essentials, you are essentially lower class. Like that's what that means realistically. If all your money goes to paying bills. You are actually lower class because that's what it means to be lower class that you can't save anything. If you make $90,000 a year and you spend all your money on just trying to live, you are actually lower class. Whether No matter what you think, you stop getting paid, you will be on the street. That's, <laughs> that's See, what, what's interesting is that like I, I, I didn't even think about it that way, but that's 100% right. Right. Like, that's the definition and, of being and, broke. <laughs> yeah. And like 90,000 as an example is like more than three times what I make. Yeah. But even then, right. like the definition it of being doesn't broke matter is how much you make if you're, your if you're spending it all. <laughs> right. Now you could, someone could look at me and say, why don't you move somewhere else? And I go, well, I have kids. The options beneath the area I'm in are bad for my family. They mean worse schooling. They mean less safety. I know because I've looked, <laughs> I've shopped around. Um, and a lot of people are finding out you make may you might make middle class money, but the way you're living, you have more in common with with the broke people than you ever thought you did. Crazy. <laughs> now I, I put you on this tangent long enough. Let's go ahead and yeah. get back on track. All right, get back on track. So um, one of the things that I uh, after I did after I read your article, I did some research because one of the things yeah. that I didn't even think about um, until it kind of came to light as uh, I read the article and then had a couple conversations with people is that some areas that, that are obviously considered unprotected. I mean, in, in most cases, everyone that's not big money is uh, unprotected in, in this case and in, in this to America uh, ideal that you have, but well, I wouldn't say it's an ideal, but the, this, this uh, article that you've written, this, this paint, the picture that you painted 
of America that I 100% agree with as, as of right now um, is where do, where do people who either have already lost or didn't have anything fit in here? And the, the more direct question that I'm asking is where, where, do home, where do the homeless and the jobless or the currently jobless fit in here? What, what can we do for them? And you know, what, 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 what does that even mean for them? Like, I, they don't have the ability to social distance because they only exist in places that, you know, they have access to. Yep. So, what does that uh, mean for them? Like with most things, the people who had the less, the least, are going to be the, the ones who suffer the most. Um, and, you know, you look at homeless populations. One, like, I, how do you social distance in a shelter? Like, I, I've I've been to soup kitchens. Like, I've volunteered at soup kitchens. Not like you can't social distance in a soup kitchen if you've ever been to one. What are you supposed to do? Like, you have lines of people who need food. You're gonna tell them stand six feet apart and line up outside in the street? No, can't like can't do that. You can't. <laughs> They're supposed to just wait and wait and wait to get food till like we can only pit. 10 people in the soup kitchen right now. So the rest of you just got to wait forever until you get food. Um, they can't do that. They're, they're just going to get sick because our current economic system doesn't really, our societal structure doesn't have anything to offer them. They already weren't getting anything anyway. This is just going to make it all worse. Um, I mean, if people have seen pictures, like they've drawn outlines in parking lots, of little spaces where the homeless can sleep. Like, I don't know if you've seen the photo or not, but there's I'm like, not. they've like taped in a parking lot. And like you can sleep in these designated spots so that you can sleep six feet apart while sleeping outside, which is like, that is some real, man, man, that's some real callous, just rage inducing type stuff to see. Like, oh, is that what I'm looking at? I'm looking at tapes on a parking lot indicating where homeless people should sleep so that they can properly social distance while sleeping outside in the elements. While being oh. homeless. While being homeless. Like that's, that's so where we, we are just, right you know, now. Fix the homelessness issue. Yeah, right. You can fix the homelessness issue. Um, the thing we should do is, yeah, again, on the other side of this, we should look at what we do for, for the homeless. We should look at what we do for the jobless. We, this goes into what we said before, what I said before about unionizing. The safety net in this country has been dismantled to the point of uselessness for everybody. It just, you know, the fact that like it took a, an, just incredible passage of a bill so that people could get money while at home through no fault of their own is like, yeah, you should have had something in place automatically that it would trigger and just start sending people money. It shouldn't be this partisan war. The fact that it was a one-time, it's going to last for four months, like the unemployment benefits. And what do people think happens at the end of four months if it has to be re-upped? There's going to be another partisan battle over it, right? We right. should fix that. That's not acceptable. Um, the fact that unemployment without an act of Congress pays so pitifully little that you can't, you can't do anything on unemployment. Like anyone who's ever had to draw it, like, like my wife would have drawn, uh, without the extra 600 a week, my wife would draw $232 a week. <laughs> $232. Uh, 
You're like, what are we supposed to do with $232 a week? Nothing. You go, nothing. They go, yeah, over 40 hours. Uh, if you work a 40-hour week, that means you're making like uh, $7 an hour. Yeah, that's, that's nothing. That's sustainable. <laughs> yeah, right. Like $6 an hour. More like $6 an hour. Maybe even less, actually. Actually, um, speaking about sustainability, that's actually it. That leads yeah. into one of the last points I wanted to talk about. Um, yeah. So obviously, situations like these are unprecedented. There's no, yep. there's no real way to prepare for these, although there's lots of ways to ease the burden that things like these can cause. However, yeah. um, in your own personal opinion, is there, do you feel like there's a way to make working in these kinds of conditions sustainable? Is obviously I know that there was a there was a recent bill where uh, people were starting to get like hazard pay on top of what they were already getting, and that yeah. and I know that lessens the burden for a good number of them yeah. financially to some degree. But do do you feel like there's there's other ways to make this less awful for people, yourself included? I mean, yeah. it, this is something that affects yeah. you too. Do you right. feel like there's something that you know the government could do or that yeah. we could do as a community? that would make this easier for you and make you maybe a bit more willing to do it? Um, I mean, so to answer both sides of that, the stuff that like government or employers could do, one, like, yeah, hazard pay. I mean, if you're an essential person right now, you should be getting permanent like time and a half. Like, just treat it like overtime. Time and a half, double, whatever your company's overtime policy is, you should be getting it right now. Um, just blanket. Things like private employers should have testing set up for all their employees. Just whatever. Empty your banks. Empty your banks. Get testing set up. Uh, people who are out there working, they should be getting tested for free anytime they want it, every single day. I don't care. Just make it happen. Like, it just needs to happen. Um, That's fair. What people, normal people could do is people – you got to show some grace. I mean, it seems so baffling to say, like, try being nicer to people. But seriously, as someone who used to work, like, at Target, I can tell you, when it came to, like, holiday season time, people are insane. It's great. I hated it. I hated it. I used to push carts. And I was like, man, if you say one more slick thing to me, like, like I, I'm going to lose my mind, Right. And that was during just the holiday rush. Right now, what we're seeing is a whole different level. Mm -hmm. Try being nice to people. Try showing some grace. Try understanding what they're going through. Like, use this as an opportunity to maybe develop your humanity and your empathy a little bit more and understand that the person running a register, the person pushing the cards, they're doing the best they can. They're overworked. They're stressed out. They're worried about going home and getting sick. They're worried about infecting their loved ones. They're literally worried about actually dying so that they can do their job. Um, just try, try being nicer to them. I, I mean, a smile and a thank you, it seems like a little bit, but you'd be surprised how it, it goes a long way. Just smiling to people, saying thank you, showing appreciation for the work that they're doing. Absolutely. Um, if, you have, if you have money, like maybe someone in our audience has a lot of spare cash. Maybe. I don't know who listens to our show. Maybe they do. You should consider like, Buying catered lunches for like Target, doing what you can to like send lunch for everybody, be a nice thing to do. Like I don't know, do random stuff. Do random stuff. People really appreciate that. Like it won't kill you to do it. Um, I think uh, 
the, yeah. you actually see that a lot with like celebrities now because it's very clear that yep. the government's not going to do it. So there, there've been yep. lots of situations in where, like I saw, like I saw, I, I, Tyler Perry like bought people's groceries. Yep. Like a, a, yep. I think a store for a certain period of time. Yep. Lots of people have been getting given to the World Health Organization and yep. like a lot of stuff, like just a, a, obscene amounts of money. Um, because it again, it's very clear that the the people who should have been tackling these things really just aren't going to. Oh, um, because they're protected, uh, as as you made it clear. One, they're protected, and two, uh, I don't even mention in here. I'm not even mentioning what the government should do. I'm just assuming the federal government will do basically nothing. That's just my assumption going forward. They will be a hindrance and an obstacle um, for the foreseeable future. So. Don't expect anything from them. <laughs> like it's sad that I have to even say that, like that I feel that way, but it's how I feel. I mean, the only thing they did effectively do is give us our own money back. Yeah, yeah, they gave us our own money back. Like but hey, that—that's a conversation. That's a conversation for another day. We need to get too yeah. deep into that. But yeah, um, yeah, man, this is the like that. I it was really interesting to read the article because you you phrased a lot of the things that I've been feeling about current day America, but just from a different perspective that I wasn't actually thinking about at the time. But I mean, a lot of this boils down to the fact that, you know, America is just a mess right now. And there's just a lot of things that not only just should be different, but we should just have in place to help people. Like there's just a lot of things that aren't helping people. And as of right now, because of this thing, the only thing we should be doing is helping people. Because, like, yeah. we're only as strong as our weakest members, and our weakest members have been down for a very long time. Yes. And this is only yep. taking what little they already have. Yep. So, like, we, we're seeing it not only just in the homeless, but, like, in, in the grocery store workers who weren't even recognized as people four weeks ago are now being lauded as the heroes of America yet. We don't want to give them anything other than thanks. Like, yep. Yeah. Okay. No, but yeah, dude, I, I very much appreciate you being here and for everybody listening at home. Uh, again, this, this article, uh, especially with all the, you know, there's lots of political things going on right now, but this, um, Anthony was very clearly driven by passion when he wrote this article and it very clearly shows. And it, it's one of the most interesting things I've read in quite some time. So it's, it's definitely worth your read. Um, check it out on, um, check it out on, on pointcast.news. Like I said, that's the best way to uh, look into anything pointcast related. That's where all the podcasts and uh, news articles are there. As I said before, check us out on Facebook. Um, that's where new things get dropped. We also share articles every day and opinion pieces just like this. Uh, but yeah, this is, they thank you again, Anthony, for hosting or for being here. <laughs> you didn't really host much, but uh, <laughs> I appreciate you being involved, man. You're always, you're always great to talk to, but yeah, uh, that, that'll be it. Gil, take us out.